0: welcome to Demond does the six questions where the same six questions can tell a unique story i am your host amon father of two husband of one and leader of this here to yep it's still black history month and today i have someone else we should have talked about during american history class I'm finding more fascinating people that were ignored in history class, and I'm thinking to make these a regular addition to the show. I'm not sure if anyone else needs to hear these episodes, but I know I do. So until someone suggests something better, this is what we're doing. This week, we're focusing on someone who I became enamored with her story because she was not only a trailblazer and an eyebrow raiser, Bessie Coleman was a real life superhero because she was the first one of us to really fly. Bessie Coleman soared across the skies, the first African-American and the first Native American female pilot. Two years, repeat, two years before her more famous contemporary Amelia Earhart. Known for performing flying tricks, Coleman's nicknames were Brave Bessie and Queen Bess. Unfortunately, her career ended with a tragic plane crash, but her life continues to inspire people around the world. Born in Atlanta, Texas on January 26, 1892, Bessie Coleman had 12 siblings, herself being the 10th. Her mother, Susan Coleman, was an African-American maid, and her father, George Coleman, was a sharecropper of biracial Native American and African-American descent. I do not know which tribe he was. I could not find it, so I'm sorry about that, and I will do better research next time. In 1901, her father decided to move back to Oklahoma to pursue better opportunities for his family. Bessie's mother decided not to go with him. Instead, the rest of the family stayed in Waxahachie, Texas. I think I got that one right. Bessie grew up helping her mother pick cotton and wash laundry to earn extra money. When Bessie was 18, she saved enough money to attend the Colored Agricultural and Normal University, now Langston University, in Langston, Oklahoma. She dropped out of college only after one semester, unfortunately, because she ran out of money. At age 23, Coleman went to live with her brothers in Chicago. She went to the Burnham School of Beauty Culture in 1915 and became a manicurist in a local barbershop. Meanwhile, her brothers served in the military during World War I and came home with stories from their time in France. Her brother John once said, I know something that French women will do that you'll never do, fly. Well, anybody with a little sister knows how this story ends. That was the last straw. Bessie decided then that she would become a pilot. She applied to many flight schools across the country, but no school would take her because she was both African-American and a woman. Surprise, surprise. So what did she do? She met famous African-American newspaper publisher Robert Abbott. Remember him from uh, two weeks ago? Who was the founder and publisher of the Chicago Defender, the highest circulated black newspaper of the day. Abbott encouraged Bessie to move to France where she could learn how to fly. She publicized her quest in the public defender to study abroad to earn her pilot's license. She began taking French classes at night at the Berlitz language schools because her application to flight schools need to be written in French. That is dedication right there. Finally, Coleman was accepted to the Cauldron Brothers School of Aviation in Le Cr in Le Cretoy, France. Find my uh yeah, my French pronunciations are gonna be terrible, so I hope you find my ignorance charming. She received her international pilots license on June fifteenth, nineteen twenty one from the Federation aeronautique internationale becoming the first black woman to earn her an international aviation license coleman then spent the next two months taking lessons from a french ace pilot to polish her skills coleman wanted to make her living through aviation and she realized that the best way for her to do that was through civilian air shows called barnstorming okay it's tangent time you're gonna have to bear with me on this one barnstorming is most commonly described as a flying circus Most barnstorming shows followed a typical pattern. A pilot or team of pilots would fly over a small rural town and attract the attention of the local inhabitants. Probably very reminiscent of ancient flybys. If you've seen Top Gun, you know what I'm talking about. Buzzing the towers. If you've seen Top Gun, you know what I'm talking about. I know, old movie. The pilot or team of aviators would then land at a local farm and negotiate with the farmer for the use of one of his fields as a temporary runway from which to stage an air show and offer plane rides to customers, hence the name Barnstorming. After obtaining a base of operation, the pilot or group of aviators would fly back over the town and drop flyers offering airplane rides for a small fee. The ads about the daring feats of aerial daredevilry would be offered. Crowds would then follow the airplane or pack of planes to the field and purchase tickets for joyrides. Now remember, airplanes were so new, most of the locals had never seen an airplane up close and were thrilled with the experience. Barnstormers performed a variety of stunts with stunt pilots and aerialists. Stunt pilots performed a variety of maneuvers, including spins, dives, loop-de-loops, and barrels. The crazy ones, in my opinion, were the aerialists, because they performed feats of stunt parachuting, wing-walking, mid-air plane transfers, and even playing tennis, target shooting, and dancing on the plane's wings. Other stunts included nosedives and flying through barns, which sometimes led to pilots crashing their airplanes. This was less, more like, less like a circus and more like the X Games with planes. Now remember that the Wright brothers had their first flights in 1903. They were doing this crazy stuff on 17-year-old technology. Airplanes aren't even old enough to drink yet. And you think they're responsible enough to do loop-de-loops? Bessie Coleman's first appearance was in an air show on September 3, 1922 at Curtis Field near New York, the first public flight by an African-American woman. She was famous for doing loop-de-loops and figure-eights in an airplane. People were fascinated by her performances, and she became more popular both in the United States and in Europe. She toured the country giving flight lessons, performing in flight shows, and encouraged African-Americans and women to learn to fly. There was a reason for all this. Coleman's dream was to own a plane and to open her own flight school. And when she came back to America, she got to work. She gave speeches and showed films of her air tricks in churches, theaters, and schools. And she opened a beauty shop to earn more money. She refused to speak anywhere that was segregated or discriminated against African Americans as well. Only two years into her flight career coleman survived her first major plane accident in february of 1923 her airplane engine suddenly stopped working and she crashed she was badly hurt in the accident and suffered a broken leg a few cracked ribs and cuts on her face thankfully coleman was able to fully heal from her injuries this accident did not stop her from flying at all as a matter of fact she went back to performing dangerous air tricks in 1925 Her hard work helped her to save up enough money to purchase her own plane, a Jenny GN-4 with an OX-5 engine. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds interesting. Soon, she returned to her hometown in Texas to perform for a large crowd. Because Texas was still segregated, the managers planned to create two separate entrances for African Americans and non-melanated people to get into the stadium. Coleman refused to perform unless there was only one gate for everyone to use. After many meetings, the managers agreed to have one gate, but people would still have to sit segregated sections of the stadium. On April 30th, 1926, Bessie Coleman took a test flight with a mechanic named William Wills. Wills was piloting the plane as Coleman sat in the passenger seat. At about 3,000 feet in the air, a loose wrench got stuck in the engine of the aircraft. Wills was no longer able to control the steering wheel and the plane flipped over. Unfortunately, Coleman was not wearing a seatbelt. Airplanes at the time did not have a roof or any protection, and Coleman immediately fell out of the open plane and died. Wills crashed the aircraft a few feet away from Coleman's body and also died. Her death was heartbreaking for thousands of people. In 1931, the Challenger Pilots Association of Chicago started a tradition of flying over Coleman's grave every year. In 1977, African-American women pilots formed the Bessie Coleman Aviators Club. And in 1995, the Bessie Coleman stamp was made to remember all of her accomplishments. So now you can see why I decided to uh, do this one this week. Yes, I do have an interview, and I will have an interview next week with Jill Bauman and an artist who has done illustrations for books for Stephen King and many many others I guess there's no one bigger than Stephen King I would think except for maybe James Patterson but I don't think she's worked for him so anyway thank you for another trip down the road of of black history and learning more about new American heroes and I'll see you next week so until next time see hear it speak it